please rise in spirit or in body for the gospel reading among the people. Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill and interpret, to enhance and illumine like salt and light. A reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city hidden on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so that they can see the good things you do and praise your Creator who's in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to, away, come to do away with any of them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of the pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But Whoever keeps these commands and teaches the people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of legal experts and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God. Well, now present loving God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Brothers and sisters, peace to you this morning and grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's an expression that you hear sometimes in church, at least I do. I hear it outside of church, too. It's a statement about faith. Um, often you'll hear someone say, my religion is a private thing. My faith is between my God and me. And of course, you know, at least in part, what they mean by that. When, when many people say my faith is a private thing, what they're often trying to say is my faith is a personal thing. Um, it's intimate and deep and mysterious in ways that are sometimes hard to express with words. Maybe they also mean, I won't make a show of my faith. I won't wear it like a badge to impress people. I won't carry it like a club to bludgeon people. And, and, and we understand this. All of us who try to walk with God have some aspects of that relationship that we hold and treasure in the deeps of ourselves. Furthermore, none of us has any business making a show of our faith. Jesus himself warned us against this. He said, don't give to the needy in order to show off, and don't pray out in public in order to look good in public. You give and you pray in secret, out of public view. 
and God who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And as for this business of bludgeoning people or manipulating people with our faith that is trying to coerce them to believe what we believe, the Spirit of Christ leaves no room for this either. Christ honors people's freedom. It's true, some believers always seem to be shouting their religion, saying everything they know to everybody in their path. But we know that faith is sometimes expressed with a shout, and sometimes with a whisper, and sometimes even with silence. And so when somebody says, my faith is a private thing, we can, we can nod our heads and understand at least part of what might be meant by that. Sometimes, though, that's not all that's meant. Often when people claim a private faith, what we mean is, my faith never ventures beyond my own heart. I feel no particular need to express anything of my faith to my neighbors, my colleagues, my friends at school, or strangers I meet along the way. My faith takes no public stand says nothing to public issues, makes no impact on my community, my church, my world. When faith becomes that private, well, we, we can still call it faith. We just ought not to call it Christian faith. Why? Because Christian faith is the faith of Jesus, and his faith is relentlessly public which is not to say he talked about everything he knew and he refused to coerce anybody and he never paraded his religion in order to bring attention to himself. And yet, what he believed kept finding constant, clear expression in public. His mission, his passion was to take hold of his world with God and transform it, reshape it by deeds and by unambiguous words. And the heart of his message was the coming of, quote, the kingdom of God. Now, his hearers at that time knew of other kingdoms. The kingdom of Herod was on everybody's mind, the kingdom of Rome. And so the kingdom of God had to be something very, very different. The kingdom of God is about transformation of the world. Your kingdom, or sometimes today, now we say kingdom, come on earth, he said, even as it already exists in heaven. Now, if Jesus had wanted to avoid the political implications of kingdom language, he could have talked about the family of God, the community of God, the people of God, but he didn't. He spoke of the kingdom of God which has to do with the public issues of the day. And so when we read about him in the Bible, we see him out in the streets talking with people openly, unabashedly, and doing things in their presence that pointed directly to God. He provided food for the hungry and healing for the sick, and as he did, he told them where it came from. He spoke to the concerns that people in the streets were talking about. The care of the elderly, the lopsided divorce laws and capital punishment of women for adultery. 
He spoke of the issue of whether or not you bear arms against people who are your enemies. He spoke publicly about God's judgment on his own nation. And he spoke publicly about God's unquenchable grace to anyone who would have it. And so all who would follow Jesus in this world must reckon with this truth. That there are ways in which we must go public with our faith. When we are disciples of Christ, the world around us will feel the unmistakable impact of what we believe and who and whose we are. And so in our gospel text today, Jesus brings this point home with a word picture, a metaphor. You are salt, he says. You are light. Salt. Take just a pinch. Put it on your tongue and your whole mouth says, yowza. What's that? Or take just the tiniest dash of salt and sprinkle it into a cup of warm water. Instantly, it permeates the whole thing. Every drop is different. Salt digs in. It transforms whatever it touches. Salt stings. It adds flavor. It keeps meat from going rotten. It melts ice. It gives release as it rolls down your face in the form of tears. And Jesus is saying, as God's child, you are salt. It's who you are. You flavor things. You preserve. You transform. You give release. Sometimes you sting. And you are light, he said. In a pitch dark world, you are headlights to travel by, a porch light to come home by, lamp light to learn by, a searchlight for finding survivors on a dark sea. You are a nightlight for an anxious child. You're a surgeon's light probing to find diseased tissue. You're a flood of sunlight when the shutters are flung open. Jesus said, you are all of these things. You are salt and you are light. And this morning, I want you to notice at least one of the things that salt and light both have in common with each other. It's in the nature of both to pervade and permeate. You walk into a dark room carrying nothing but a little birthday candle... And the candlelight radiates into the dark. Every inch of it is changed at least a little. Or if you sprinkle salt in a pot of water, it permeates every bit of it. Friends, the community of Christ gets into the world, thoroughly into it, all mixed in, touching it all, influencing it all, helping to change it all. And so what this means is that every encounter you and I will have this week in the places where we work and live, where we go to school, every encounter is an invitation to be unmistakably who we are under God, light and salt. And now we're talking about the personal testimony of our words, our gestures, our character, our social media posts. If the one whose name is love lives in us, then that same Christ will shine like light and shake out like salt through us. 
This is the salt and light of our personal witness to the love of Christ. There's also the salt and light of our collective witness together. And so as the community of Christ, we develop strategies for doing the kinds of things Jesus did out there. We feed, we clothe, we build, we teach, we reach toward people with good news. And we find ways, as Jesus did, of speaking to the structures of our society. We salt public systems with the perspective of Christ. And we shine Christ's light on public policies, helping them to become more peaceable, more just. And toward all of these things, we pour our prayers, our money, our time, our influence, our best collective wisdom, our consecrated energies. Why? Well, because all of these things are God's salt and light in the world. Now, here's the hard part of today's text. Jesus says that those who won't be salt and light, the world really has no use for. You are salt for the world, he said, but if salt stops being salty, then he might as well throw it out, walk on it. In Jesus' day, salt wasn't pure like it is today. It didn't come in a blue box with a little girl and an umbrella. It was mixed with with other minerals, and, and if it went unused for long, eventually the salt would go flat. And what people did with this stuff was to dump it on the roads and for ruts and mud puddles, and it was useless for anything else. That same outcome awaits all churches who refuse to bear a real witness to the way of God in their world. If all we're having is a nice little religious experience together in here, but never venture out there, if we're not talking with people about the gospel, if we're not showing it by what we do, if we're not helping our culture deal with its sickness in all of its forms, then the world really ought to write us off. And it will. And in much of the Western world, it already has. So, what do we say about the violence in our society? What do we say about hunger? Or what do we actually do about homeless, desperate people within our reach? What perspective of Christ can we bring to issues that divide people that really can't be resolved with sound bites and bullhorns? What perspective of Christ, what light can we bring to conversations about, for instance, the sacredness of life? From abortion, to the agency of women, to generational poverty, to mass incarceration, to capital punishment. What perspective of Christ can we bring to these things? Do Christians have anything to say about the debt of this nation? What might we offer to the topic of gentrification or access to health care or trafficking of human beings in this country? 
When's the last time you or I brought up our faith with someone beyond these walls? Well, if any of you are flinching a little, squirming a little, let's, let's be sure not to miss this today. Here's the good news. Jesus did not say to us, you must become salt and light. He didn't say, you must find the light and the salt and then use it. What Jesus said was, you are salt. You are light. Christ isn't asking us to achieve something. He's not asking us to implement something. All he's asking is that we be who we are. Ordinary, broken, beautiful, sinful people who by nothing but God's grace have found Christ alive in us. And all he's saying here is don't cover that up. If you light a lamp, he said, you never put it under a basket. You put it up high where it lights up the whole house. So if God has made your your life a lamp, your options now are the basket or the lampstand. And you can let your fear put a basket over your light. You can let other people's disapproval put a basket over your light. You can let anger or envy or materialism put a basket over your light. We'll never run out of baskets. The baskets are endless. Or you can choose to be openly who you already are because Christ claims you and is transforming you. Let your light shine in the presence of other people, Jesus said. So they can see the good things you do and hear the good words you say and praise the living God who loves them. So how about it? Friends, if it's the faith of Christ we've got, then let's go public, salting the world, lighting the way. How about it? May God make it so. And so, gracious God, thank you for dreaming big dreams for our lives. Free us, we pray today, from anything that would cover up what you've been trying to create in us and among us and around us. We pray for fresh courage now to salt your world, to shine in dark places. In other words, help us God, to be who we are and who you're making us to be. In the name of Christ, we pray. And now as we step through this open doorway into silence and stillness, I want to invite you this morning to imagine that you are salt. What Christ flavors is your life meant to bring out in this world? And or imagine that you are light, sitting on a lampstand. In what ways is Christ calling you to shine? And is there something in you or around you that's trying to act as a basket to cover that up? And so in the silence now, let's listen for Holy Spirit's loving word to us about these things.